Amen. Hopefully you have 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 open in a moment we're going to read. Before we dive into the subject this morning, I think it's wise, I think it's good that we are aware that the subject this morning is a subject that was very prevalent in church, but we're living in days that is not so prevalent. Not too long ago, I heard of uh, a report that it is considered that people that believe in Jesus, that believe in prophecy, that believe in the word, they're being labeled as, well, a mental illness. There's such a thin line from where we are to where we may go unless God intervenes and there's a revival and I'm concerned that I think a lot of the church doesn't realize it. I share with you a, a study that was taken, a survey, and in this research study regarding United States of America, USA Christians, on the view of the return of Jesus. It shows some interesting insight. 47% of the people that were tested, examined, <clears throat> they agreed that they believe that Jesus is going to return within the next 40 years. 14%, their answer was that they did not know if the return of Jesus would be during this time. 38% agreed. The return for Jesus, it is sure, but definitely or probably it's not going to be in the next 40 years. Now, another survey shows, statistics show that over half of the American Christians, self-identified, over half of, of American Christians, and obviously they're not all from America, but, you know, we're a cosmopolitan makeup of different nationalities of people, but yet over half of the American Christian church, they either don't know or don't think that Jesus is coming back anytime soon. No wonder. Because, you know, our actions reflect our view of the end times. And with more people unconcerned with Jesus Christ's return or the timing, it's sad because we see growth in so many things like anxiety and concern and weight. You know, I wonder if I had time to sit down and talk with every one of you. I wonder what your view of the world, current events, what is going on. I wonder what your view is from a biblical perspective. So our subject today, it is attacked by many believers. For example, a theological term in, in, in school and seminary, it's known as the preterist view. Some people believe that New Testament prophecy passages were fulfilled in the first century, and that involves the second coming. 
They believe it's already completed. It's done. They they don't even uh, believe in the second coming to some degree. Now, that preterist view, it's so hard to reconcile biblically that then some scholars have come up with a, what's known as a partial preterist view. That partial preterist view believes things like, well, Jesus coming in a cloud, that was fulfilled in 70 AD when Titus Vespasian came into Jerusalem and ravished the city. That the beast is actually Nero, Emperor Nero. The beast and revelation. They, they believe that evil Babylon, it is equal to Jerusalem. And it was taken by Romans. And so this partial preterist view, to have that, you have to come to an agreement that the book of Revelation was written earlier than what most scholars really believe it was written. And you have to come with a date of like the 60, 65 AD. See, A lot of people believe, I believe, when I've studied that Revelation was written more around 90 A.D. But the reason you have to go back is because Revelation is a prophetic view book. And so they believe that the prophecies in Revelation were fulfilled in 70 A.D. It would be interesting to note uh, the name of of some of these scholars that as I was reading, I was was pretty, pretty surprised. Uh, I named them in in the first service. I think I'm not going to name them now, but I will name this. To some degree, the reform theology, the replacement theology. For example, replacement theology says that Israel has been replaced by the church. So the way that they look at prophecy, they look at it completely different because they've done a mixed mash of the church being Israel, prophecies that are for Israel, they take them as prophecies for the church, prophecies that are for the church, they take them as prophecies, and then you get your whole prophecy mixed up. Now, again, before I dive in, let me tell you this. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down, just... Statistics, information, 31,124 verses in the Bible have to do with predictions. I don't know if you knew that or not. Over 8,352 verses of the Bible, they're not only speaking about things that are going to be fulfilled, prophecy, but they include clear-cut prophetic predictions. More than 1,000 prophecies of the Bible, only half of them have been fulfilled. Let me put it to you this way. 26 to 30% of the Bible is prophetic. I don't know if you knew that or not. 26 to 30% of the Bible, this book that we hold in our hands, has to do with prophecy. And one quarter, one quarter of that of those prophecies, or put, put this way, one quarter of the Bible has to do with prophecy. Where am I going with this? How well-versed are you, am I, in prophecy? One quarter of the Bible? 31,124 verses? 
1,000 prophecies, only half of them have been fulfilled? I think this one makes it more clear. The word, for example, new birth. You must be born again. I, I hope you would agree that's important. Seven times you find that in the Bible. Repentance and faith. I hope you think that's important. I, I want to get a show of hands, but I don't want to put you to too much work here. But what it has to do with repentance and faith, there's 20 verses. It's mentioned 20 times in the Bible, in the New Testament. Baptism. Baptisms, you know, important thing. It's mentioned 70 times in the Bible, in the New Testament. You know how many times it speaks of the second coming of Jesus Christ? Just the second coming. 300 times. I think you would agree with me on the fact that the second coming of Jesus Christ is pretty important, right? As a matter of fact, I think it's so important, I want to say it in Spanish, bastante importante, you know? Very important. And yet I challenge you to look at how many churches... How many churches in the television are talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ or prophecy? Having said that, let's dive in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Join me there in verse 15. Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means proceed. We're not going to be uh, anticipating in a sense. What does it say here? Those who are asleep. Let me stop a second and let me look to your eye for communication. This letter of the Thessalonians is a letter that the Apostle Paul writes to a church that God used them in three Sabbath days. That means that he was there about three weeks tops. And as he comes to that town and he's telling them about Jesus, imagine if you were the person, I was the person, what would we talk about? What would be a priority? And so Paul taught them about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Paul moves on, and now what happens? That some of the people in the church, they began to die. They got sick. They died. And so the Thessalonica believers, they were concerned. They were saying, hey, we know Jesus is coming back. That's going to be glorious. We expect Jesus. But, man, what about the people that have died? And they were kind of getting um, sad and upset. So he writes them this letter. Notice with me, verse 15, that he says, I'm talking to you as the word of the Lord. This is not just a Paul. This is not just a come by lately. This is God himself that has given me this information, the Lord. Notice that it says sleep. Sleep means when people die. Look at the next verse. That's going to be more clear. Now he begins to give you the doctrine of what's known as being caught up. Look at verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. And I told you they were concerned about the dead. So Paul here says the dead in Christ, they're going to be, as a matter of fact, the first to rise. And then we who are alive, verse 17, we that remain 
We're going to be, there's two words there. If you're with me, can you say that together with me out loud? We're going to be what? Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet who? The Lord in the air. I'm glad somebody said it. Amen. That word caught up is in the Bible. As a matter of fact, I want to take a quick survey here. I'm going to ask you to lift up your hands. Is there anybody here that has a Bible that's together here that the words caught up is not there? Lift up your hands. Anybody? So I think everybody here, unless you have a Bible in Spanish in which it says arrebatados, you know, we're going to be arrebatado, you know. And that word in the original language in the Greek is the word harpazo, which is translated to the word rapio in the Latin, which is where we get the word raptuso, which is where we get the word rapture from. So in a sense, everybody has that word caught up, rapture. But some people that resist this doctrine, they say, hey, the rapture is not even in the Bible. Well, it is in the Bible. In the Latin Vulgate Bible, it's there, rapture. But listen, whether the word is there or not, the word Trinity, for example, is not in the Bible, but God is a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Again, trying to make time here, what I want you to see that this is a beautiful, prophetic, end times doctrine. Now, if I were to ask for a show of hands, how many of you believe in that? As a pastor, as we planted Calvary Chapel, Miami, I would try to every year teach on this subject. I would try to just, I want to make sure that people knew the doctrine of the rapture. And it's funny how God does it that last year around this time I taught on this subject and I'm going to teach on it again a year after. So it's funny, I didn't plan that. So I guess it's something that God just, just does. But I love this doctrine and here's why. Go back there, hopefully you're open and notice what this doctrine is about. Is about the coming of the Lord. You see that there in verse 15. How is Jesus going to come back? How is that going to be? I stop, look to your eyes. Remember, the second coming, this is important, has two parts in a sense. The first part is here where Jesus comes in the clouds. He never touches the planet. He never touches earth. We get caught up. You here this morning that love Jesus, we have a flight schedule. We have a reservation and we're going to be flying. It's going to be the best flight you've ever taken, man. It's going to make first class look like coach. Because we're going to be caught up. That word caught up, I should tell you what it is. It means to be snatched away, to be pulled away, to be taken by force. So this doctrine here, for those of you that are youth, young adults, you got to get this, the world. I don't know if you noticed, but our world is it's getting intense. People don't know what's true. People don't know what's lie. People don't know what's false. I'll throw this one at you. How many of you would like to go to a dentist that he stole his degree? He's really not a dentist. He just, it was fraud involved in him becoming a dentist. Would, would you like to go to a dentist like that? And I sit and I find out he is a fraud. And he says, what's wrong with your mouth? I said, nothing. My feet are working. I'm out of there. You want to fly in a plane where the pilot is, didn't really earn it? He doesn't really deserve it? He just, and, and please, mis, don't misunderstand me here. You want a pastor that, that is not legitimate? There's things going on in our life that I have to look to your eyes and I have to say, what's going on? What's going on in our world? What's true? What's deception? What's going on in churches? What are they teaching? What are people being challenged to do? It was said that the most segregated place in church on Sunday was church. That's an indictment. 
And what is the church doing today? Are you praying? Are we praying? Lord, raise up here people. Man, they're white. They're black. They're Hispanic. They're Filipino. They're Haitians. They're Arubians. Shouldn't God gather a people from every tribe, from every nation? And shouldn't we at one point, shouldn't I at one point love you regardless of me being Cuban or not? When push comes to shove, am I going to hold to my Cuban roots or do I have roots in heaven? <laughs> the coming of the Lord. Those that have died preceded us. They're not going to miss out. Verse 16, the Lord himself, Jesus, is going to descend from heaven. Notice that there's going to be a shout. There's going to be a voice. There's going to be a trumpet of God. There's three scriptures I hope to get to today. You're going to see that associated with the rapture, this word trumpet keeps coming up so that you see that this doctrine is throughout the Bible. It's not just in one place. But I clicked on that word, shout. If you're taking notes, it means an order. It means a command. I love this. It means a stimulating cry. I'm glad that, that so many of you that are young are here today. What's the next major event in our world is going to be that God, I believe, he's going to give a command. He's going to give an order. It's going to be like a stimulating cry to Jesus. Hey, go get the church. Hey, go get the bride. Can I make it personal? I hope I can. My name is Raz. My mom used to call me Racielito. Don't call me that. I, I only like when my mom calls me that, you know, 67-year-old Racielito. But we do that sometimes, you know. But I believe that God's going to give the command, Jesus, go get Racielito. That's the doctrine of the rapture. Your name. Jesus is coming for you. And I haven't seen my mom in years. Last time I saw her, she was in the hospital full of IVs and tubes, uh, intrauterine cancer. And, and I saw her waste away and waste away. And this doctrine tells me I'm going to see Jesus and my mom and my dad and my sister. And those of you here that you've lost loved ones and Jesus, that's a re reunion. We're going to be reunited. That's the doctrine of the rapture. But it's not only a command and an order. It says here, a shout, it's a voice. That voice implies there's a tone. There, there's a, there, there's a, a voice that enlightens us. God gives that command. It's going to bring enlightenment. And then the final one, the trumpet, that, that means reverberation. That's like an order and a command that, hey, go get Raz, go get the church. And, and it's personal. But, man, it, it kind of like all creation says, okay, here it comes, Papo. Get ready. We're going to put this thing in overdrive now. Because listen, the whole world is going to see as they made fun of you, as they mocked you. Ah, you Bible thumpers. Ah, you Jesus loving. Ah, you believe in really the rapture? When you study Sunday on the rapture, the, the rap. Fa -fa! And you're out of here. Hey. Go back there and look. It gets better. We who are alive, we that remain, we're going to be caught up together with them. Reunion. And now in the clouds, you notice he never stood, stepped foot on the earth. 
in the clouds. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. And I love this part, the last part of this verse. You see that verse 17? And now we're going to be with the Lord forever, always. No more separation. No need for having separation anxiety. Could you imagine that? If, you, if you're saved here this morning, those of you watching by computer, if you're saved, if you met Jesus and you sing to Jesus, I grew up singing that song, my Jesus, if ever I love thee, my Jesus is now. That song's like, I would like to tell you what I think of Jesus, because in him I found a friend so good and so true. And then I like that other song, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'm going to see Jesus, you're going to see Jesus, we're going to see our Jesus, and we're going to do that together, man. It's like, we're out of here, you know, wow, man, it smells like, ¿dónde estamos nosotros? That quick. Now notice, observe with me the following verse, verse 18. It says, therefore... What's the word there? Can you say it out loud? Comfort one another with these words. But now go back to verse 13 where he begins to hone in on this doctrine, where he begins to present, remind the Thessalonian believers of the doctrine and, and expound on it a little bit more. Notice that he said, verse 13, but First Thessalonians chapter 4, I don't want you to be ignorant, my brethren, concerning those that have died, fallen asleep, so that you sorrow as others who have no what? They have no hope. So this doctrine of the rapture is sandwiched in, if you would, with hope and comfort. What does hope and comfort mean? Hope, if you're taking notes in the original language, that word hope means an expectation, an expectation, a concrete confidence to anticipate and is usually with pleasure. An expectation, a concrete confidence. On the other side, what does comfort mean? Comfort is speak, instruct, talk to one another about these things. It's a word that means to call close. It's a word that means to console to exhort and to encourage. Hey, are you with me on this? And this is important. I'm laying foundational ground because some people will take this doctrine and they think that this is going to happen in the middle of the tribulation, the last seven years, that the wrath of God is being poured out on this earth for judgment, for getting Israel to be washed and purified. Listen, listen to this. Some people believe that, yes, this doctrine of the rapture is good, but we're going to go in the middle of the tribulation. Some people believe we're going to go post after the tribulation. Listen, then this wouldn't have any hope and this wouldn't have any comfort. He says, I don't want you to sorrow like those that have no hope. So listen, we're going to be caught up. You're going to meet your friends, but hang in there, baby. We're going to go through, you know, there's going to be a white horse. The Antichrist is going to come, and then there's going to be the red. There's going to be the black. There's going to be the yellow. There's going to be famine. One quarter of the earth is going to die. That's two billion people. There's going to be famine. There's going to be so many cataclysmic events here happening. Do you know Revelation? Do you read Revelation chapter 6? Just the beginning, the unsealing. The wrath starts from the beginning of the last seven years so what i want you to see here is that this doctrine of the rapture man you have hope and you have comfort you can talk to one another about these things why we're not going to be here for the tribulation now some people say that it's wrong to teach this because how do they put it if you go through tribulation and suffering you're not prepared 
How do you get that in the Bible? They're going through death of family members. They are going through tribulation. But listen, the word tribulation, there's a tribulation that Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. That's the tribulation that Satan and the world and life gives you. But the last seven years, that tribulation, that's a tribulation that God gives to judge the earth with wrath. It's two different tribulations. This doctrine, when you understand that at any moment we could be in the Lord's presence, we could reunite with the Lord. It purges. Leave this area of scripture. Go with me to Titus. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. The T letter name books are together in the Bible. So right after 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, you have 1st and 2nd Timothy. Then you're going to come to Titus. This rapture caught up doctrine. Look at the way that Titus refers to it. So I I wait till you get there to Titus chapter 2. We read in verse 11 where it says, For the grace of God, are you there? Titus chapter 2, verse 11. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And it teaches us, it teaches us to deny ungodliness, worldly lust. I could deny those lustful Passions within us. The grace of God is what teaches us to deny that. And that we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present age. Now look at verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope. What is the blessed hope? The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 14, Titus 2, he gave himself for us that he would redeem us from every lawless deed to purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. I stop a second. I look to your eye. You know, if I spent some time with you, I could know what you're zealous about. If you spent some time with me, you would know what I'm zealous about. So to save your time, I like cars. I'm, you know, you know, restoring cars, sports cars, uh, Lamborghinis, Ferraris. I, I like cars, Pintos. I'm not, I'm not, you know, uh, you know, uh, Volkswagen. My first car was a 1959 Volkswagen. It had that that canvas that you rolled it back. I have to push clutch, pull pull the clutch to start it down the hill as I went to Jamaica High School. But what, what's the point that I'm getting to? I, I'm sellers about some things. But this doctrine of the rapture shows me I need to be zealous about the Lord. We need to be zealous about learning scriptures, learning Jesus, being ready, being prepared. Let me illustrate it this way. If you want to participate in this study, please put a show of hands. How many of you have ever invited someone to your house to eat? Anybody here? Lift up your hands. Hold them up. I'm just getting a picture here. So if you don't invite me, I don't know. Just joke. Just joke. When you invite, I probably couldn't go anyway. But when you invite people, isn't it true that you're getting things ready? The food, the vacuum, the house, <laughs> spray. You know, there's a, there's a 
What's the word I'm looking for? A purging that's taking place. And the more you care about the person, the more preparation you do. Hey, family, Jesus is coming. Any moment. Am I getting prepared for that? Take out the stuff, the junk, you know, get ready, you know. Take self, you know, certain things. Take them out of my, Lord, I want to be ready. I'm glad you're here today. This doctrine purges you. No wonder the church is so polluted. The church is thinking we're going to be here forever. So you stop teaching this, and then you go 15 series here, you go there, you do this, you do that, and the church is not ready. Half of the church in USA doesn't expect the second coming of Jesus Christ. Where's the love relationship? Don't you want to see your Lord? Don't you want to see Jesus? Don't you want to see heaven? Hey, I want to look to your eyes. Don't you want to get out of here? If you don't, please come for prayer. You need to be anointed with oil. <laughs> Leaving this area of scripture, go with me to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3, further back in the Bible. 1 John chapter 3, and you see that this hope, this second coming expectation, this second coming information, this second coming anticipation, it cleanses the life, the soul, the mind. So many of our kids, parents, do you teach your kids, hey, honey, the trumpet's going to sound and we're going to go meet Jesus. Because of time, First John chapter 3 there in verse 2, notice what John says. Beloved, beloved, now we're children of God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. And it has not even been revealed yet what we're going to be. But we know this. We know that when he is revealed, when we meet Jesus in the air, we're going to be like him. We're going to see him as he is. Look at verse 3. And everyone who has this hope in him, what happens? Purifies himself, herself. But I stop a second. Look to your eye. Look at the purity here. Like Jesus is pure. I'm so excited. Pray for me. I can't do this in Merritt Island. You know, I, 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 I got to be relaxed. But, but here's the point. We'll pray for him. But, but this is an interesting thing here. Do you see Jesus ever worried? Do you see Jesus ever like bogged down? He was, it seems like he was always where he was supposed to be. It seems like he was always on point doing what he was supposed to do. Why? Because that's Jesus. But as you get purified, more of that happens in you. More of that happens in me. More of that happens in the church. Wouldn't you love it here? Like today you come in, Lord, who am I supposed to pray for? Lord, who am I supposed to make eye contact with? Lord, Lord, who am I supposed to intercede for? Lord, who am I supposed to invite them for dinner? I can't invite people for dinner. The pastor was saying, I got, I got to do a lot of things there. But, man, you, when you have that expectation, man, I'm going to see Jesus. And then just like Jesus is, remember, he has a glorified body. I'm going to have a glorified body. You're going to have a glorified body. Are you with me here today? You know what that means? I don't know if you've discovered this, but I don't know about you, but my body, it works against me. And sometimes in my heart and in, in my soul, I, I know the right thing, but 
Man, sometimes my body wants to do things that I got to, the soul says, you're a pastor. I know I'm a pastor, but you don't, when you get that glorified body, that stops. I got to believe that there's some people, maybe not here because you're all perfect and holy and never had any problems, but some people watching by computer, man, when you're taken advantage of, when you're raped, when you're betrayed, and you can't get those thoughts out of here. You can't get those pictures out. And when you get this glorified body, no more stressing. Maybe you were sexually trafficked. Maybe the church turned on you. Maybe the pastor let you down. Maybe your son, your daughter, when you got a glorified body, that's done. That's gone. I want it. Leave this area of scripture. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we see again in the subject of the second coming, in the subject of the return of Jesus, we see here again the trumpet. The trumpet is mentioned. And here, Paul is talking about the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's talking about how, you know, Jesus Christ overcame death and he overcame the grave. And, you know, you plant a body, you know, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, in corruption, you raise up the body, incorruptible. Well, it's a great chapter. As Paul is talking about that, remember, he, 1 Thessalonians is around in the 50s. Uh, Corinthians is several years after. So as Paul is writing the letter to the Corinthians, well, he pulls a little bit from what he's already said to the Thessalonians. And now here, we're going to read this together as we study this beautiful doctrine of being caught up. For those of you that have a problem with the word rapture, but we know that it's rapture, the doctrine of the rapture. Meet me here, verse 50, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now this I say, my brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. But behold, I tell you a mystery. This is something that wasn't disclosed, but now is being disclosed. That's the word mystery in the New Testament, what it means. I, I now give you more information that people have been waiting to get. We're all not going to die. Let me stop there. Let me look through your eyes. Man, isn't that great news? Some of you here this, this, this morning, you're not going to die. I mean, I, I ran from the Rona with every way I could, you know, wash my hands, gargle, you know, everything I could. But I knew that if I was supposed to get it, I was going to get it. Well, last week I was totally full-blown exposed to it. Sat in a room with someone that had it. Later they tested positive, you know. And then one day later I began to have my stomach just becomes a faucet, you know. And I'm going through that. And usually the way my body works, I get diarrhea, you know. I do some things and it stops. But two days, know that. And then my wife, bless her heart, last Sunday she says, I scheduled you for testing. And I so what do you mean you schedule me for testing? I don't, you know, but, you know, I, I went and I got tested. You know, the test comes back at 1 o'clock in the morning, uh, Monday morning, you know, tested negative. But I'm still, I mean, I don't know what's going on with my stomach. Monday, Tuesday, finally, I, I'm praying, you know. I said, man, did I get the Rona? Now, remember, I'm 67 years old, so I'm, you know, I'm in that place where, you know, it might be, you know, they say that the people, when you get to a certain age, you got to watch if you fall down, you got to watch a cold, and you got to watch the other department. You know, if you get that, that diarrhea, it could be very, very determining. But, man, the prayers, the tea, where am I going with this? Man, that we're all not going to die. We're all not going to die. 
and Corona's not going to kill me, and Corona's not going to kill anybody. You go when the Lord says your time is up. The Bible says your days are numbered. And the believers, we need to get that. I've seen so many believers in shock. I see so many believers in fear. I know believers that they haven't, they haven't come out of the house since March. And I'm thinking, hey, if the Lord told you that, it's okay. But if it's, if it's fear, if it's somebody else, we're supposed to listen to the Lord. We're wise. We get information. But Lord, what do you have for me? Continue reading with me. We're all not going to sleep. We're all not going to die. But we're all going to be changed. What is he talking about here? In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last, what? Trumpet? Hey, didn't we just hear something about trumpet? Isn't he talking about change? Isn't he talking about, hey, this is another text of the doctrine of the rapture. Look how he spells it out. The trumpet's going to sound. The dead are going to be raised incorruptible. Sounds very familiar, right? And then we, we're going to be changed. That word change means we're going to be transformed. We're going to be made different. And what is he talking about? Look at verse 53. This corruptible body, it must put on incorruption. This mortal body is going to put on immortality. And then when this corruptible and this incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality... Then that saying is going, to be, is going to be brought to pass. What's the saying? Death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your sting? No more sting to death anymore because we won't have to die anymore. Oh, Hades, where's your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, my beloved, again, Brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain in the Lord. I think it's self-explanatory, isn't it? Check your pulse, check your heart. If it's not beating a little bit faster, man, pray, Lord, am I getting this? When you see me in my glorified body, I'm going to have hair again. <laughs> I don't know about I'm, I'm that kind of person, you know, germs and, and everything. I don't like to smell. And, man, my body sometimes just the odor is corruptible. This body is decaying and is dying. But when I see Jesus in the rapture, when I'm caught up, man, my body, I get a new body, a glorified body. What is that, to be presumptuous and show off? No. Because Jesus is so pure. God is so pure. God is so holy that if in this body I would see God, <laughs> I couldn't handle it. You couldn't handle it. So God's going to give you a body. He's going to give me a body that now we could see Jesus. I hope we could embrace in heaven. I, I want to hug the Lord. His feet, I, I, I settle for hugging his feet. I'm going to be able to do that. You're going to be able to do that. That's the doctrine of the rapture. No wonder it says, 
you could have hope, that steadfast confidence. You could encourage one another because no matter how bad it gets in life, when I do a funeral, when I go to the hospital, when I'm dealing with someone with cancer, when I deal with someone that's got some mercy or some kind of disease, I know, man, if you love Jesus, that's not going to be the last chapter in your life. Got problems with your lungs? You're going to get a glorified body. Got problem with your knees? You're going to get a glorified body. But at the end of the day, what do you need the knees and the lungs for? To worship and to praise the Lord. No handicap, no special need person in heaven. We all got a glorified body. Encourage one another with these things. Quickly, leaving this area of scripture, go with me to first, um, first chapter of the book of Revelation. Revelation. Well, I don't think I have the time, so let's just go to chapter 4. Chapter 4, the book of Revelation. This rapture doctrine is about reunion. In the scripture we just read, 1 Corinthians, this rapture doctrine is about rescue, where the Lord is going to rescue the corruptible, the contaminated, the weak. He's going to rescue it. But now we get to the final aspect of of this doctrine of the rapture. Let's read it, see if you could find it. Uh, look here at chapter 4, Revelation. Uh, it says, after these things. I stop a second and I look to your eyes. So John, in Revelation, I was going to take you to chapter 1, verse 19. If you're taking notes, you want to write it down. Revelation is a book that comes with its own outline. So in verse 19, God tells John, write the things that you saw. John got a revelation, that's chapter 1. And then he told him, write down the things that are, that's chapter 2 and chapter 3. And it's a letter to seven churches. Seven, you know, in the Bible is the number of what? Of completion. So there's seven stages, seasons of church. From the start of the church, Ephesus, to the last church, which is going to be Philadelphia and Laodicea. So he said, write the seven letters to the church and write the things that are. So to kind of pull from what he said in chapter 4, in verse 1, he says, after these things, and to understand the rapture, when it happens, you have to ask the question, after what things? When does the rapture happen? After what? In verses, in chapter 2 and chapter 3, the church, you could go home and count it. I've been told it's, it's mentioned over 17, 18, maybe close to 19 times. You go home and count it. But then after that, after chapter 1, 2, and 3, then church is mentioned no more from chapter 6 to chapter 19 during the tribulation time. Why? The church is not there. So where is the church? Well, go back here, verse 1, chapter 4, after these things... John says, I looked and behold, there was a door standing open in heaven. And then the first voice which I heard was like, what? There you go. That's three times. I heard a trumpet speaking to me. And what did the trumpet say? Fafa, come here. I'm going to show you the things that must take place after this. Again, he mentions after these things. And then look at the next word there in verse 2. Immediately. I went too fast. I looked to your eye for communication. Remember that scripture that we just read in a twinkling of an eye? Remember what he said that? I used to read that. I used to think it was a blinking of an eye. And I said, man, that's so, that, that 
rapture is going to be so fast. And during my time, there was a comedian that said, when I get rapture, I'm going to grab two unbelievers. And as we're going up, I'm going to look at them and say, accept Jesus or I let you drop. <laughs> it was funny. It was good. But it wasn't biblical because the twinkling of an eye, you're not going to have time to grab anybody. It's just that fast. And that's why it purifies the rapture. Immediately you're in the presence of the Lord. Could you imagine if I'm having an argument with Esau? Now, honey, how many times have I? And I, sometimes I don't say honey, but I'm you know, how many times have I? I mean, oh, hi, Lord, hallelujah. All of a sudden I get spiritual, right? <laughs> that quick. Could you imagine? And that's why the doctrine of the rapture, I think, has been so attacked because it takes factual, profitable truthful information from me and you, the believer. Well, I, I don't know if I believe that or not. When the trumpet blows, if you're saved, you're going to believe in it. It's mentioned to Thessalonians. It's mentioned to the Corinthians. John here mentions it. It's an interesting thing. I don't have the time. If you go home, you're going to see he's in the presence of the Lord. If you go with me to chapter 5, chapter 5, Revelation, if you look at verse 9, there's a worship song going on in heaven. You might as well learn these words. We're going to be singing it. And if you're there in Revelation chapter 5, what's the words to the song? You're worthy, O Lord, to take the scroll, to open a seal, because you were slain and you've redeemed. Notice what it says. You've redeemed us to God by your blood. Who can sing this, church? Who can sing this? I can. You can if you've been redeemed. The rapture. The Lord Jesus in the clouds comes and he calls his church and he takes the church out so that the wrath of God that's going to be poured on this earth begins. And because, let me show you this, backtrack with me now to 2nd, 1st Thessalonians, 1st Thessalonians chapter 4, we were there after he explains the doctrine on why you shouldn't be depressed, sad about the people that died and the second coming of the Lord. He continues to speak about end times event. First Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, Concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need I write to you because you know perfectly that day of the Lord. It comes like a thief in the night. It comes unexpectedly. Listen. If Jesus comes in the rapture in the middle of the tribulation, I can expect it because the minute that the Antichrist reveals himself, I know it's going to be seven years. I count three and a half years. It's in the middle of the tribulation. I don't know the exact day, but I, I'm pretty close. If it's after the tribulation, then I just count seven years. But the only way that the, the rapture can come at any time that even Paul thought it would come in his time, we that are alive, is if it's a pre-tribulation rapture. Look at me if you be so kind at verse 7. Those that sleep, they sleep at night. Those that get drunk, they get drunk at night. Previously, he said, hey, we're, not, we're sons of the light, verse 5. We're sons of the day. We're not of the night nor of darkness. Let us not sleep like others do. Verse 8, skip down. But let us who are of the day be sober. The tribulation rapture brings us sobriety to the believer. You put on the armor 
the breastplate of faith, the, of love, the helmet of hope and salvation. Look at verse 9. What does he say? Because God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we are awake or asleep, we should live together with him. Again, the theme, what does he say? Verse 11, comfort each other, edify one another, just as you are doing. One final scripture I want to read to, go with me to John, the gospel of John chapter 14. We looked at the doctrine of the rapture. It is a reunion. It is a rescue, but listen, the doctrine of the rapture, at the end, it's a return. The return of Jesus is about relationship. Listen, rapture without relationship is ridiculous. The rapture is not just, hey, we're going to fly out of here. We're going to rapture. You should know the scriptures. You should know how detailed God gives you this. There's people that are in different theologies, and there's different theologies today that they choke out the work of the rapture because they don't believe in the rapture. They don't, they're not looking for the second coming. Not the way the Bible teaches it. Are you there, John chapter 14? I want to show you that the rapture is about the return of Jesus, the relationship of Jesus. Hey, can I look to your eyes again before we read this? Thank you for coming today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming today. Thank you. Every, I want to look to your eyes and say, listen, Jesus loves you. Good to see you, Joey. Jesus loves you. Long, Jesus loves you. I wish I knew everybody's name. Jesus loves you. And the doctrine of the rapture is, I don't know sometimes if the church, the bride, is looking forward to seeing Jesus. But let me tell you something. Jesus is looking forward to snatch you and me out of this world. Are you there, John 14? Look with me at verse 2. Jesus says, well, let's go to verse 1, right? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. And in my Father's house, there's many mansions. There's many abiding places. And if it were not so, I would have told you. So what does Jesus say? I go and I prepare a place for you. And if I go and I prepare a place for you, what does Jesus say? I'm going to come again. And what's the word there? I'm going to receive you to myself that where I am there you may also be. I should tell you that word receive you, if you look at the word originally, 50 times it's translated to take. Jesus says, I'm going to come again to take. 30 times it's translated to take. 50 times receive. 15 times It's a word that means take on to, take up, take away. I thought this was going to be the last scripture, but I just got to show you one more. You got to pray for me. I don't know how I'm going to do this in Murray Island. But this one, this one closes the deal. You hear this? Go, go with me to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. It should be easy to find because it's the last book in the Bible. As you're going there to Revelation chapter 3, I, I, 
I wish I could take your pulse. I wish I could, I could hear how you're doing because two things are going to happen. You're, something's happening in you right now that you may not even be able to explain, feel, know, or understand. But to the degree that you're blood-bought, you're born again, you love Jesus, you know Jesus loves you, and you're getting this information, the trumpet's going to sound. We're going to be caught up in the air. Our loved ones are going to meet Jesus there in the clouds. We're going to meet him in the clouds. We're going to be with Jesus forever. My corruptible body is going to be changed to an incorruptible body. John says, man, again, after these things, these things are the church here. Philadelphia chapter 3. Look with me now at verse Eight. One thing before we read it. Let me look at the church one more, one more time. One more time, please. The last church before Jesus returned, there's a mixture of the Philadelphia church, brotherly love. They love the word. They love God. They love Jesus. They actually teach on the rapture. They go through the Bible. And then there's going to be the Laodicea church, that lukewarm church. So it's a church that appears to be very big. They actually boast, man, we have need of nothing. They're large. And the word of Jesus to them is, man, you're pitiful. You're naked. You're blind. You don't even have an idea what's going on. And I'm knocking at the door of your heart. And if you listen and you let me in, I'm gonna, we're going to eat together. But other than that, Jesus says, I might just remove. I might just be gone. Look at the word to Philadelphia, the brotherly love church. You're going to love this. Verse 8, he says, I know your work. See, I've set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have little strength, but you kept my word. You have not denied my name. I love it here. I miss Pastor Sack this morning. I'm sure you do too, you know. Going through Exodus. Exodus 18, Exodus 19, verse by verse. I love it. I, I used to be in a hurry. He, he's methodical, man, like his mom. He just, he goes low like his sister, you know, Alicia. I mean, these people can really teach the word, you know. But when you keep God's word, God will keep you. We're the bride of Christ. You think Jesus is going to say, I'm going to let you get beat up during the tribulation, okay? You're going to get black eyes. You're going to get beaten up. You're going to get, you might even get beheaded. But don't worry. You're my wife. I love you. I'll come back for you after seven years. Jesus says, you're my bride. And because you kept my word, read it here for yourself. Verse 10. Because you've kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial that's going to come. Notice, this is different than any other trial upon the whole world to test those that dwell on the earth. That's family, the doctrine of the rapture. Not only do I get to see Jesus, and that's the essential thing. Not only does he reunite with his church again and rescue me, and there's so many scriptures I want to share with you. But Jesus returns for me to take me and you that where Jesus is, there you and I can be also. And if it happens before this service ends, think about it. We're in Calvary Chapel, Miami. And it smells different. I feel different. Look at these colors. These, these, are, man, these are the colors that I love. 
man, it, here you are. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Jesus must have the biggest smile. I got you, Raz. I got you to heaven. You are not an easy cake. Your fears, your doubts, your anxiety, your denial, your wishy-washiness, your stubbornness, your pride, your selfishness. But he's going to present you faultless, faultless. Hey, Father, these are mine. They kept the word. It wasn't popular in the world anymore. The world was buying into confusion, gender confusion, and redefine sexuality, and redefine the family, and redefine faith, and redefine doctrine. But these, they, they just kept your word, Father, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Some people believe that the doctrine of the rapture was quiet during the church age. I got the fathers, I got Tertullian, I could tell you so many names, uh, Pseudo-Ephraim, John Calvin, uh, you know, so many people. But listen, there were a lot of times in the church that faith and salvation, they were dead. That's why God raised up Martin Luther. But they didn't have the prophecy insight that we have today. God told Daniel, close the book. We've seen things that these guys didn't see. They didn't see the bud blossom. They didn't see Israel restored. If they would have seen that, their whole prophetical focus would have been so different. But you've seen that. I've seen that. We've been to Israel. We've seen the fulfilled prophecy. Let me tell you, this world is going to be poured out God's wrath. This world is rejecting Jesus. It's rejecting God. It's rejecting the word. It's rejecting the Holy Spirit. But you're here this morning. You that are watching, you, you might think we're a bunch of kooks. I love you. Get saved so you get raptured. There's major newspapers and publications that don't exist anymore. The word of God will never come back void. From Genesis to Revelation, God will fulfill this book. And if you look at the world and you look at China, does China have us in the back? I don't know. You look at Russia. You look at Iran. You look at what's happening. The Bible says the next major event is going to be that the body of Christ. Go home and read 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and 2. You're going to see that there's a restraining force. It has to be moved out of the way so the Antichrist can surface. I'm looking at a group of very special people. <laughs> Jesus is going to have that trumpet blown. He's going to catch you. 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 You, you in the back there. He's going to catch us up. He's going to gather us to be with him. Only requirement is, are you saved? Have you given him your heart, your life? You say you believe in him, that's great. The demons believe and tremble. Believe means you obey him. You follow him. You're about Jesus.
There's going to be pastors standing up front here. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. We're going to close with song. If you have children in the children's ministry, please go get them now. Be right. Get right with the Lord. Don't get left behind. Did I say that already? Don't get left behind. I got to say in Spanish. No te quede. No te quede. Go el vuelo. <laughs> Catch the flight. How do I get that, Pastor? Be about Jesus. Be purified. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we just pray. We pray as a church here this morning. Thank you for everyone that you've gathered this morning, Lord, to hear, be reminded, get the information of the prophecy, the rapture, what's coming to the people that believe and love you. God, may we not be so enamored by this world. May we not be so looking to this world that we get taken by it, distracted by it. Lord, may we be people that occupy. May we be responsible. May we be involved. May we be making our participation. But Lord, knowing that our citizenship is in heaven and we're flying out of here any moment. Lord, that doesn't mean we're going to be irresponsible. That doesn't mean we charge up credit cards. That doesn't mean that we do things that bring a bad name to you, Lord. That simply means we prepare like we're going to be here for a long time, but we live like we could be gone today. If there's anybody here today, Lord, that does not know Jesus, I pray that they would just get up out of their seat and come forward and say, I want to pray. I want to get ready. I want to make sure that I go. And Father, I trust, I pray that your Holy Spirit is working in hearts here today. If anybody's saying, you know what, I know this doctrine, I, I, but I've, I've been f slacking off. I, I don't live like God is my priority. If in the next few seconds I stand before the Lord, would I have self righteousness and yet be not right before God or would I have God's righteousness would I be able to say Lord you know it's been about you Lord you've been on my mind you've been on my focus everything I do I do for you Lord I do it because I want you to be glorified I want people to be rescued I want people to be saved Lord the rapture puts priority in our life We need to be about the gospel. We need to be getting the word out, Lord. So today I pray, God, do a deeper work in my life, my prayer life, my evangelism, Lord. And in my brothers and sisters here, Lord, that we pray for next Wednesday, we pray for next Sunday. God, in a twinkling of an eye, we're out of here. May we be ready, Lord. In Jesus name we pray and those that agreed said amen, amen.